0: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am joined by my co-host, Will Law. Will, what's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up, man? Doing good. Doing good. Excellent. And we are so excited, maybe as excited as we've ever been to have a guest, uh, (laughs) because we have uh, one of our good friends that we met at Teacher Heart Out Conference in Las Vegas, Tracy Costa. Tracy, what's going on? Uh,
1: nothing much. I'm so excited to be here and you guys are awesome and I'm such a pleasure to meet you, hang out with you
0: and to be a part of this. Um, just, I'm just so thrilled. Yeah. Yeah, so we we were at Teacher Heart Out and you and Sheila presented on the uh, the growth mindset to the teachers which was awesome and then it just kind of, you know, it kind of snowballed from there. We had a great joke about how you and I both had alligator arms and from there yes. from there it turned into Kyle the crocodile, so it, it was just really fun and then it was you know the as we were as you and Sheila were leaving as will and I were leaving, we, we ran a, into each other at breakfast and we got to have that one last breakfast before we left. So that was all of that was really awesome. I totally
1: agree. And you guys are so real and so authentic and, and that's like that's what we love about you guys. Thank you. Oh, thank you thank you thank you well, pleasure.
0: Yeah, so Willie, you want to just kind of give her a rundown of what we do here? Yeah, so just, um, I know we, we kind of
2: talked about it before, but we just want to let you know, like, the reason the podcast is, we started the podcast was initially to, Kyle and I having a conversation. It started, still from our conversation we had when we worked together, and, you know, that's kind of how we said to so everybody, we've had this conversation going on now for like five years about, um. Teaching educators, you know, education, the value of teachers, and just presenting teachers' voices to the masses. And then Kyle had the idea of doing a podcast.
0: And then we did a couple episodes, and then we said, hey, we need other voices. We need to get teacher voices, and not just bring stories of teachers, but have teachers telling their own stories. And that's how we got to this point. I believe this is around episode eighty. Or 85, right? Uh Yeah, somewhere in there, I've kind of lost count. Somewhere around there. Uh, we uh, just, just crushed. I mean, our goal for the year was to do 52, so we just crushed it
2: completely. Uh, I'm so excited about that, and so excited to have you and add you to the list of of uh, people that we that we talked to and we've been able to glean from, and our listeners can glean from to
1: help their teaching craft. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and I am really thrilled because you know. I just love teaching. I have been in education for over twenty-four years in some regard and my mother's a school bus driver and I have family that's, you know, bought a different like I got my, my cousin's a uh, director of transportation in a school district, so it's exciting and I'm glad to be here.
2: Awesome. Well, we're just gonna keep going. You kinda of started giving us a little bit about your twenty four year history. So Let's just go back with this say, can you tell us the
1: story of how and why you became a teacher? And absolutely. And so 24 years ago, I started my career in education as a school bus driver. And cool. later on, yeah, so later on, my mother joined me and she was my assistant on the bus. And then later on, she wound up receiving her own license. But so I started my career. I was driving students, high school, middle school students that had emotional disorders, um to and from school and it really was that it was a couple years that i did that and then i realized that you know i was making these connections with these kids on such a deeper level and i was only with them some of them a half an hour a day you know others maybe an hour but it was really because of those connections that i did make with those students you know they had made such a profound impact on my life that i really decided that i can reach more students if I went back to school and became a teacher. So that's how it all began. Started, you know, a couple classes here and there. I had, at the time, I like, had three little kids. And, um, yeah, so that's how it all began. <laughs> wow. Awesome. And
2: then, you know, I often tell my story of starting out. I um, actually you know, I started out coming up the ranks as a teacher. I came in as a uh, teacher, well, actually, first as a substitute teacher. Yeah. And then became a teacher's aide, uh, then became an inclusion teacher, got certified, and then had my own classroom. But you came a totally different route and came from being a bus driver, which is, I think it's interesting because I don't think I've heard anyone's story of being a bus driver coming into the classroom. And
1: um, you know what? Yeah, right? And I learned everything about management, you know, and safety. <laughs> Right on there, on that bus. Right, right, right. I mean, it's the same perspective, the same
2: principles that you would require on a bus. It's the same, you know, providing a safe environment that you want in your classroom and respecting kids, building rapport, um, knowing the kids, what stops they get off of, who they should be. So it's the same skill set, but it's just amazing that you really came up through the ranks that saying, hey, look, um, driving is good, I connected, but there's something deeper
1: that that's calling to me, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh. So, what is the value of a great teacher? You well, know, okay, I think, you know, a great teacher can really change the trajectory of a child's life. It can help, you know, help a child to see the potential that they have, and really, a great teacher makes students feel valued loved and supported and maybe when you know they don't feel that way themselves you know kids bring a lot of you know baggage with them unfortunately in, in this day and age and you know what teachers can do socially and emotionally for students is just as important as what you do for them in terms of academics so you know I believe that there is nothing more important than how you make a student feel at the end of the day that's what to me, you know, that's that's where that value piece comes in, is how you're making that child feel feel so they can succeed in life Wow, you know I'm glad that's your
2: answer, and this, is, this was not scripted <laughs> by us it's it, my response but Kyle and I were just having a conversation before you got on, on the line, and we hadn't talked to you about this, so this is new But I just had an experience yesterday as I was sitting in a PD. And we were talking about setting goals for our classrooms and what's one thing that you want to, uh, that you feel that needs to really take place. And I said that it was student motivation, that we needed to get students motivated about learning, but not focusing so much on what we're teaching, but get them excited about the process of learning and what they yeah. can do with the learning. And uh, I talked about building relationships and having the value and making sure that they understood that I cared about them and that, you know, that they can do anything. And there was a teacher who told me and said it at the table in our group and said, um, I don't remember the exact words. He said, we have to stop that with kids and we have to tell them that the world does not care about them. Wow. And I told Kyle, I said, I, I, I was shook. Like, everything inside of me burned. Because it just angered me so much that why would I want to teach a kid that, the, that no one cares about them?
1: Right. And I think, honestly, you know, what I, I like to really instill in my students is the world's hard. The world out there is tough. And yes, I tell my students that when I taught little kids, I taught first and second, that's I taught them every day, I love them. And you know what? I had, I had a couple kids kiss me like on the side and I wasn't expecting it. But you know what? It's about making kids feel wanted, valued, and supported. And guess what? It takes a teacher, a caring, compassionate teacher that has that passion that really helps instill motivation. I mean, some kids, you know, it's it's you got to do the dog and pony show. Some kids, they just need you to care about them, and, and you express your love of teaching them in a passionate way. That creates motivation. I mean, that is. Yeah, I, I disagree with what she says, but I kind of think, or he says, with your statement, that the world doesn't care. I think, I think we need to really let kids know that the world is tough and it's hard. Because when you think about this generation, a lot of kids are coddled. They feel entitled, right? And they think things should be given to them. And I'm I'm there telling them it doesn't matter teaching teach eight-year-olds or I talking to 17 year olds you know life is hard you got to work hard and I always use my life and my brothers and I make connections with you know how I was raised three you know three siblings in the same household you know one dropped out of high school you know one got to high school and stopped and then here I am pushing on pushing on because I learned at a young, a young age, having nothing, you gotta work hard. And life's not there. and it's okay. But that motivation, you need to get that. That's that's the clincher, Will. And I, and you know, I think you know when you sh- show kids that you care about them and that they're important, and that you love what you do, that's the hook.
0: And but, I, yeah. and thank I thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I think to your point, Will, and we were talking about this a little bit, but this just kind of crystallized to me is that. There's a huge difference between kids hearing that the world is tough and kids hearing that the world doesn't care. Because when you when you say a, when you tell a kid the world doesn't care, they equate that to people don't care. Yeah,
1: right, right, right. And right. And,
0: and I think, so I think that's that her the difference.
1: Should be rephrased because if that there's a negative mindset, if she's preaching like she or he's preaching that in the classroom. Can you imagine the negative sense of self that those kids are having? Yeah. Right? And then that equates to student achievement. So, how are those
0: students achieving
2: in that classroom? Right? Yeah. Right. And then again, it goes to that both that language piece, like how are you using the words? And what words are you choosing to use in order to... I, you know, and, uh, Kyle brought it to me because I said I didn't understand it. And I said, well, help me understand it. And when he explained it to me, much like you did being real with kids, I think I'm a very bunch of realist. You know, coming from my background, I don't have a choice but to be a realist. But growing up where I grew up, in the inner city in Houston, my mom had to be real with us. But at the same time, she taught us that we were loved, that we we were cared about, and she nurtured that in us that despite what they're doing, despite what they're saying out there, you be genuine and authentically who you are. And that's not this mean person that doesn't care, that's... You know, that, that that has no empathy for anybody else, no compassion. That's not what we want to breathe in children. And I think, you know, and one of the things that i said as a group was, teachers, we're the change agents for, for, for students. They look at us as that, that gatekeeper for hope to say, we're the ones that spell them. there's something else besides what you see. Right. And we know a lot of our kids don't get that at home. <laughs> you know, they don't hear that at home. They don't hear that from their parents. Their parents never heard it, so they don't know how to filter it down. So we have to be the ones to say, no, it can stop with you. Absolutely. It can stop right now. And and, and and it is possible to do anything that you want to do despite of what's going on in the situations of this
1: cool world that we're living in. And you know, it's positive mindset, and that's what it's Absolutely. all about. You know, positivity breeds positivity. Oh,
2: always. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So... Thank you, thank you for
2: that. Um, so, kind of along those same lines, what is one thing that you think all students should be taught? We do out all curriculums. What's one
1: thing that every student should be taught? And you know, this was a really a tough one because you know, I have I could think of lots of things, but you know, first and foremost, I really think. You know, we need to teach kids throughout our curriculum through, you know, those teachable moments about respect. You need, because really respect encompasses so much like both in the classroom and out of the classroom. And when you really think about, you know, 50 years ago, or even less than that, respect was taught at home, right? So we need to teach kids, you know, what respect looks like, what what it, you know, why it's important, how it impacts others. And you know we need, and okay, one of my biggest things is right here. Like we're, we're PDS or faculty meetings, and they're talking about kids and you know their lack of respect. But we need to be the pillars of examples. And you know, in order for teachers to be respected, we need to show respect to our students. It's reciprocal, and you know, you get what you expect. So I think respect. That's what that was number one, but. You know, I was torn between saying respect and empathy because, like, my philosophy is the world would be a better place if everybody was more empathetic. And, and again, like, kids, parents are working. You know, we, today, most parents, two parents have to work to survive. Parents are busy. Kids are busy. They're doing sports and all these extracurriculars and the demands of, you know, homework on top of it also. I think a lot of these, you know, life skills, you know, they're, they're not taught like they were when you had a parent at home every day, you know? So I think empathy was, like, I think it's 50-50 because em- empathy is really, there's many facets of em- empathy, but, you know, I think empathy, if we teach kids what empathy is, what it looks like, and really, it's, it's really going to help kids to be more tolerant and compassionate of one another. And I think, you know, we need to seize those opportunities, those little teachable moments, and talk about empathy. And, you know, when you really hear, and this is why I was torn, because when you look at the statistics regarding, like, school violence, many of those perpetrators, I just did a big research article on this, you know, those perpetrators, they felt isolated. They felt alone, which, you know, many of them have like, displayed characteristics of depression and or disconnect from others. So if we really... If children learned at a, lot, a young age about the importance of empathy. I believe schools will be happier, you know, safer, and student, and children, our children, would achieve more at, at greater levels, greater levels.
0: And, and and to your point, I don't I don't think you can really have respect or empathy without the other. I think inherently in yes. those two things, the other is included. I mean, because if you really respect people, you'll have empathy for them because you'll understand Absolutely. that they're different. And, uh, and yeah. I, I, I don't, I mean, for me, I love both, but I, I really feel like if, if you're doing either of those right, you're probably doing both right. Right.
1: But again, like, I think, like, teachers, you know, when I'm having conversations, and, you know, the biggest thing is that we're busy. We're all busy, right? And you know, there's a lot of people that are opposed to teaching kids social and emotional skills. Like, but you know, we need to in this
0: in this you know day and age. I I, you know, I think it's interesting that there are still people and administrators and directors, and superintendents, who
2: believe that you have to push the curriculum and so what with the foo foo stuff. You know that that they, they consider that 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 type of mentoring students and mentoring uh, and and it's, it's like, this is reality. They view that as, you know, they're supposed to get that at home. But as teachers in the classroom on the front lines, we you know they're not. I yeah. you know, and, you know and from the conversations with the parents, that they're not.
1: Right, and, and the bottom line is, if we, if we take, you know, seize little moments to teach kids this, we're going to be respectful toward us, toward their classmates. They're going to be happier. And then when you look at their achievement data, they are going to achieve at higher levels than others like that's why the whole classroom community it's key when you have a you know a positive safe classroom community kids are going to achieve
0: and that reminds me of of when we were you know in las vegas and and gary brooks was talking about you know with parents too and kids like how much we underestimate that parents and kids both just want a safe environment. You know, and and how he said that, you know, they parents want their kids to be happy and they want them to be safe. And if you're not teaching the social and emotional things that, you know, respect, empathy, those things, you can't, you can't feel safe because I think especially in the world we live in now that is so public and is so out there, you know, when, when I know as an adult, as a person and, and especially too, like, there are certain things I only share when I feel safe and when I'm around Absolutely. people that people that I know are, are not going to, you know, share the things that don't need to be shared, you know, and, and as teachers, I think it's getting more and more important that we discern the difference, like that we understand, you know, whether it's our colleagues or whether it's our kids or, or whatever it is, you know, we just, you know, we're discerning with the information that people share with us and, you know, there are the certain things that really help to build those relationships when you, you know, obviously there there are certain situations that, where as a teacher, if you find something out, you have to immediately report it. But those those little secrets and those inside jokes and those moments that you create with your kids where there is that that safety and that connection, I think that makes all the difference. And And I know for me, just teaching this last year, how many kids just appreciate when you give them a high five when you see them in the hallway like it's it's those kind of moments that really make the difference and 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 like you said and you you the two of you are so far beyond in the research category i don't want to quote quote any research but we know that kids do better when they're in that safe environment and they feel you know like they're loved like you said and you know what like
1: and you think about it and, and Minute a testing grade this year and you know all the demands about the you know the high stakes testing but then i tell my students you know what honey you know it, it's about growth and it's about doing your best and it's always about doing your best but in 10 years from now kids are going to remember how you treated them how you made them feel not about their score on the state assessment and i tell my parents that like as well i share with them like i care about your kids you know, I want what you want for your children, I want the same thing in return. And I treat my students as I do my own children. I have very high standards of excellence. I am hard, but I love them and they know I believe in them and I support them along the way and I That's just something that's me a little emotional.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. So,
2: all along those same lines. Yeah. Um, what is <laughs> there, Sorry,
0: <laughs> it's all good.
2: What is your take of the state of education today?
1: Well, you know, regarding the state of education, I believe that we are heading in the right direction. Or we, you know, I believe that there's still a lot of work to be done when you look at the the inequities. There's so many inequities in education we really need to create fairer and more inclusive uh, inclusive school system. You know, when you look at the tax dollars, you know, and the the funding and and the design behind that, there's there's a lot of um, inequities in the way that we fund education. You know, how certain districts receive more money than other districts, and I'm right outside the city of Philadelphia. And when you look at the funding that Philadelphia has versus – you know, where I am in some of the other areas, it is, it, it's really, it's disheartening. It really is. I mean, I have a best friend who was a, a teacher and an administrator in Philadelphia, and she said, you know, some of our bathrooms don't even have doors. It's those little things. It's like, there's children that are, you know, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds going to bathrooms with doors, without doors. It's simple things like that. So I think the founding piece is huge that we really need to, um, you know, really start to zero in on that. And also I think that we need to look at redesigning schools that will help prepare students for 21st century careers. You know, when you think about our, our learners, the learners that we're dealing with today, you know, they look a lot differently than kids just from 10 years ago. You know, we talk about like technology and also think about safety. You know, we need to redesign schools that are safer, you know, we need to put more funding in place for um, safety measures because schools are supposed to be safe places to learn and grow, right? And we really need to invest more and in, in these safety features because of, mm-hmm. you know our kids are coming to school. My kids are afraid to come to school. You know, feel like schools sure. are supposed to be safe places, you know. So we really need to invest in school safety and in
0: funding and making
1: it more equitable mm. and I think you know that's, also, that's just it's frightening but you know that safety is reality and look at the, you know look at the world around us
0: well, yeah and and you know after Parkland and then you know there was the shooting you know that hit close to home down there uh, on the South side of Houston, I know as an educator and Will and I talked about this, like that was the first time that I ever really felt unsafe, you know, and I'm in and I'm in a very, um, you know, kind of middle-class safe, you know, was small town Wisconsin, you know, where most people aren't locking the, you know, they're, they're not locking their doors and they're not locking their, you know, their cars, you know, it's one of those places, but it it was the first time I was really like, Man, this this can happen anywhere. I think that's the bottom line. Like
1: nobody wants it to happen. But the sad reality is is that nobody's safe. you know, you could put all these measures in place and, and it's just really scary. But we need to be more proactive and, you know, act as if it could happen. You know, not wait not sitting around a wait and see approach. Like we really have to invest. Because, you know, you think, like like you just said, Kyle, like, this, you look at the statistics. I mean, years ago, I'm, I'm not far from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. When you see, you know, when you read about, you know, what happened in the schools, uh, school up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, my goodness, like a rural, you would think a safe, you know, a safe area, and then you see what happens, like an hour around, it's, it's It's the sad reality, and it can happen anywhere. Right. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, what is your philosophy of education?
1: Well, you know, when I think of like my philosophy of education, you know, what what I think of and who really stands out to me is I really a lot of what I believe revolves around what Rita Pearson spoke about in her in her TED Talk. Every kid needs a champion, and if that seen that. I like every teacher, new teacher, everybody should see that because really, essentially, what she said is that kids don't learn from people they don't like. So, for me, my philosophy of education is really about relationships. And, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that you need to take care of the whole child and make sure all of their needs are met. This touches on a little bit of what we talked about earlier that, you know, I think my big wake up call is they're really being a part. Some some facet of education in twenty four years is you know some kids come to school ready for their education needs to be met right and you think about some kids that are the superstars in their classrooms they're you know they're well behaved they do well they do their homework right well those kids they're most of the time they're coming from uh, homes where their basic needs are being met by their parents by their families and then you think okay some some kids are coming to school ready. Some kids are coming to school, their emotional needs need to be met first before we can even touch on the academic need. And you know, I have many conversations with my colleagues about this and and I you know you think about also like, some kids need to come to school for their social needs, be met. So when you take that all into consideration, we need to really recognize what each and every child needs. So it goes back to relationships like it's always going to be about relationships. And Kayla, Dr. Campbell, teaching always talks about relationships. Jen Jones, you know, low literacy relationships. We really need to, you know, recognize what does each child need, right? And because in order for kids to, you know, to have academic success, their needs need to be met, and it might not be in the order that you know we would like, right? We meet their academic their emotional needs their social needs then we can meet their academic needs and I think as that's something that is really I'm really passionate about because not only about relationships but what does each kid need? and I have that's why I take the time I invest in I kids. and once I can meet their emotional needs with their social needs then you see them start to soar and you know so that's something in, in my philosophy that I'd like to really talk about, I mentor teachers, you know, and I'm, a, I'm a cooperating teacher, I, I do a lot of student teachers, but, you know, I really believe that in order for children to flourish academically and emotionally, you know, we have to create these strong positive relationships with them, we need to invest in our children, because what we get back from them is tenfold. So, once kids feel loved, valued, which I talked about earlier, you know, if have these high kids are gonna take risks. Kids kids are going to achieve they're gonna be happier. And and that's you know, that really is you know that's really what my philosophy education is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And you know, that's one of our we champion her her words as ourselves. Um very familiar with Dr. Pearson and her TED Talk. I think it's just, it resonates in in my in my eyes even before I saw it. That's how I thought. So yes. hearing it and just really reaffirm you know, exactly that I was doing doing what I should be doing. Um, I always just tell kids the world doesn't care if you know two times two. It cares about do you, you know yourself. And again, Absolutely. how do you respond to defeat? How do you respond to failure? Um, and those are the things that I want to teach kids. And in the process, I'll teach some pretty cool math. You know, so <laughs> right. I mean, think that's, that's kind of the approach that you got to take. Because again, they won't listen to you unless they know that you care about them.
1: And I think like that's why, like, my, you know, Sheila, uh, Kennedy, and I, why we connected with you too, is because, you know, a lot of your beliefs and philosophies, they really mesh with ours as well. And, you know, it really all comes back to how you make kids feel and getting to know these kids. And then, you know, like you said, I'm teaching math, but when I teach math, I'm connecting it to real life, to, to, to you know, to rap, to things that these kids like. And what are the TV shows? Like my baby's 21 years old, right? I don't know what's relevant today. So I'm always trying to, I stay fresh by listening to them, but connecting that with my lessons, that's. That's another hook, right? You know, poetry, I'm like, we're going to, we're going to, like, when I drop middle school, I'm like, you know, we're going to, you're going to write rap today. That's poetry. That's the hook you need to get to know your kids, get to know what's relevant and meaningful in their lives, maybe it's sports, whatever, you know, and connecting that to every lesson. You know, you think about your most resistant learner and you find out, like, You know, there's, what's that, that, I mean, it's not Minecraft, it's like that video game that everybody was doing, that, like, Fortnite, right? Yeah. Fortnite, my most resistant learner, the one that was the most unmotivated. I found out he was in a Fortnite, well, guess what? That's my hope to him. That's what it's, and and it, I I really, when you really think about everything, it goes back to relationships. You know, and that is... Always, I, and, 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 you know, that's, I think that's just what it's all about. It's always going to be about, and it's always been about. And it doesn't matter if it's, we're talking today education, or if we're talking about, a, you know, business, a Fortune 500 company, or, or, or working at a Kmart. How you treat people says a lot about you. And if you treat me well, I'm going to do well for you, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work hard for you. It doesn't matter. Children, adults, it, it's the same thing. Thank you, and that's why uh, we—that's why, like, uh, like I said, we had—we could have sat and missed our plane and been with you for lunch and dinner because Mm -hmm. we all, like, I feel like, you know, your beliefs and our beliefs—they really, you know, they really are the same, and that's why you guys are awesome. Thank you,
2: thank you so much,
1: and no, thank you for what you do because you know what—I wish people would have told me. I—I wish I had. You know, I could listen to these, you know, podcasts that you do 15, like 15 years ago when I started becoming a teacher. Like, you know, this is, you're connecting people with real important information that you don't learn in college. Yeah. So that's you. Right. Thank you. And that's, and that's one of the things that we've to on because we both took the opposite roles of coming in education. You know, I came in to an alternative certification prayer program here in Texas, and he came in straight from being an education major in school, and
2: it was just amazing that the conversation that we were having, at that point, you were, what, four years into teaching Kyle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you came to Scully. Yep. And so, even at four years in, the things that we were sharing with one another, you know, I know I didn't learn from my alternative certification. He didn't learn in class. So the only way we learned it is through, through struggles, you know, and like they say, you know, so the, the smart person learns from their mistakes, but the wise person learns from the mistakes of others. That's what we're trying to present to, to teachers and say, Hey, look, listen to these people, listen to people who are, who are sharing stories. So you don't fall. When you see yourself going down this road, you can catch it. You know, when you see the negativity coming in, you can catch it because now you're, you're, you're conscious of it. You're, you're aware of it. You know what's going on. So, Thank you for that shout out. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, no, I appreciate what you too. do.
2: Awesome. So let's shift gears a little bit because one of the things that really connected with me, with you, is that you talked about the growth mindset. Um, so can you talk to our listeners a little bit about the difference between a growth mindset and a
1: fixed mindset? Sure. And, and you know, two years ago in August, Again, I speak about my friend Sheila Kennedy. Um, she's a colleague of mine. We attended a conference in P- Penn State University at Altoona. And it was all about positive, you know, theme, the general theme was of positivity. And, you know, we heard about growth and fixed mindset. And, and, you know, I was really interested and did a lot of research on it. And it just really is something I'm very passionate about. But a mindset really is... You that you have yourself up yourself as a learner, right? And, And when you think about it, it really affects all the decisions you make about your learning. And it's so, so a growth mindset is the understanding that we can develop our abilities and our intelligence through effort, and but so when you Think about, when I think about education and I think about how I was raised most, you know, I'm I'm older than you two gentlemen, but I was raised in a fixed mindset educational system. And, you know, I was at a very young age, I didn't feel smart because my teachers told me that I couldn't sit in the front of the classroom because I wasn't the smart one. And, you know, when you think about that, and then, you know, that stays with you, right? And I never really felt smart. I, and, and to this day, I still disc, I discredit when people say, oh, you're so smart. But I, you know, I view myself as a hard worker. So this talking about growth mindset, and, and it's a simple belief that intelligence is malleable. And if we, you know, we can, you know, better equip children, for challenging tasks and difficult subject matter if we talk and teach them about, you know, growth mindset. Uh, you know, a growth, having a growth mindset really creates a love of learning and resilience that is essential for achieving goals. And, you know, whereas like a fixed mindset, will that intelligence is fixed. And it goes back to the way that I was raised. Many of my teachers were fixed mindset teachers. And, you know, because they didn't know any better. So when we talk about this concept of growth and fixed mindset. This is 30 years of research, you know, so hundreds of studies have found that, you know, intelligence is not a fixed tree. So that's, you know, and that's something I'm really passionate about because as a teacher, you know, having lived that and having been told I can't sit in the front of a class because I wasn't smart, you know, I've always was a hard worker and school never came easy to me. So I can see why, I was told I wasn't smart. That's why this whole concept is really important to to learn about to in, and to teach our children about it. Because you are what you believe. You know, how others perceive you, that you start to believe it. And that's why I'm really passionate about it. Mm.
2: No, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so... So what we really loved um, about your, well, I mean, we loved your presentation as a whole, but we really loved your acronym um, of Strive that you used because it it made it it made, you know we we both have read Carol Dweck's book and we've talked about it, but you know for people that might not be familiar with it, you you made it really concrete as to how we can work with our kids. Um, to have that growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset. So could you just kind of, uh, as much as you can, without having your displays and stuff, talk about that that acronym STRIVE.
1: Right. So you know, first of all, you know that whole acronym piece, I have to you know give props to my you know my friend Sheila because she, you know we do a lot of presentations and you know she has helped me to you know come up and develop these like acronyms as quick ways, like kind of like mnemonic devices to, you know, to teach and to remind you. So that's how that whole strive piece came into play. But really, um, after researching growth mindset for myself, you know, that's what my dissertation work is on. You know, that strive, you know, strive is really like a framework for teaching about the mindset. So, you know, using those letters, you know, S, you know, stands for setting high expectations, you know, in order to, you know, create this growth mindset, Community, You know, you need to set high expectations as a teacher for all of your students all of the time. And, you know, before you can do all this as a teacher, you need to recognize what is your mindset. And, you know, there's all kinds of assessments online that, you you know, read the book and, and they'll give you some more, you know, information. But, you know, so you have to be a growth mindset teacher in order to teach this to students. So that has set high expectations all the time for all of our students, not just for some of our students. And T, um, you know, and that it's about teaching the mindsets. We need to teach the mindsets, all about the mindsets to our students. And, you know, so they can get an understanding of what it is, why it's important. And R is for level and risk-taking. Risk-taking is huge in the growth mindset piece because, you know, we want kids to take risks to do difficult work, right? So we're, we're hiring our expectations, we're giving them harder, more difficult work, but we're going to, you know, we're going to set the stage to, you know, to help them feel supported along the way, because, you know, a fixed mindset, somebody with a fixed mindset, they make a mistake or they fail, they give up, right? And and that's how her research was developed about struggling in kids and did puzzles. So that are for risk-taking. Kids need to revel in it. They need to have opportunities to fail and and to do things difficult. And then I is for important words. And, you know, the important important words, like our word choice really does impact our mindset. So, you know, words are hurtful. You know, and think about some, you know, kids come in, you know, saying things like, they're, they're stupid, they're dumb, you know, I, I, I stink. But those words have a harmful impact on your life. So you need to reframe the words that you that, you know that, that might have used before. We need to teach kids how to reframe words to help create a, self, uh, like a positive self-image. Because, you know, when you're struggling and things are difficult, and it goes back to, you know we need to be real with kids. You know And life's hard. I mean, I taught first graders, and I taught them. Life's hard. You know, everything that I teach kids relates to their future. You know, I always make that connection to your life, to a job, to college. You know, we need to teach kids that when, you know, when things are hard, when they're struggling, if they tell themselves positive words, it helps them get out of a slump because words are powerful. You know, so that's that I. And then moving on, V, again, we talk about relationships, and V is for value. The value of relationships. And, you know, how do, so when you think about relationships, we must develop positive relationships with our students first before we can help them create, like, develop their own positive mindsets. So, you know, like I said earlier, you know, kids don't learn from teachers they don't like, right? Well, those kids aren't going to put forth effort, they're not going to care. They're not gonna take risks, right? They're not we're asking kids to be vulnerable with this growth mindset, right? And if we don't take the time to really get to know kids on a personal level and and you know go out of our way for children, they're not gonna do these things. And the the cool thing about growth mindset is you know, there is thirty years of research that shows if, if you develop and you cultivate this growth mindset in your classroom, in your life, like, there is research that shows that students achieve significantly higher, at higher levels than their peers, so, you know, it goes hand in hand, having a growth mindset and achievement goes hand in hand, right, so that's why those relationships, like, we need to make bonds with kids, you know, and think about the. When I taught middle school, you know, the most, like I think of like the most difficult students and, you know, it's hard to have a, a, a hundred kids in your class. And what I would do is I would highlight two or three kids on my, on my roster and every period I would take two or three minutes. walk well, have how have a What's going on? What are you doing tonight? Like taking those little opportunities to really invest in them. And, you know, because it's about quality, it's not about quantity, but, and, and, and using those important words when you're having those um, opportunities to get to know them, they they start to believe it. And, and, you know, words are powerful, and that's what I said at the presentation. The last letter E is for embrace, embrace the power of yet. And that is one of the most important words in this whole growth mindset, uh, you know, research. We need to talk about the word yet. Yet really helps kids to overcome obstacles, and it and it means that you're not giving up, right? It just means, that, you know, that you're going to do it, but it implies that you're going to do it in the future. So, you know, whenever you see a kid struggling or, you know, about to give up, just tell them, you know, you haven't mastered it yet. And that's why it's important for you to be real with your kids. You know, share with your kids. Think lines that you failed, times that you struggled. Mm-hmm. So, You know, you know that this is something I'm extremely passionate about. And, you know, my friend and I, we did a 30 hour, um, a couple of 30 hour courses in our district about growth mindset. And we really could do a whole semester. Like, there's so much. And, you know, if your listeners aren't familiar, I really, really encourage them to get Carol Dweck's book because you read the book and it's not only, that's the thing, it's not only important for. Education, it will transform your life, the way you look at others, the way you look at your relationship, your own children, you know, coaching, whatever, you know, in every facet of your life, it comes into play. And that's why it's, it really is, uh, it's just something that I, say, you know, I preach, I believe in wholeheartedly because it works. And, you know, positive psychology, you know, when you think about like, the role of positive psychology, and there's a big push for being more positive because research shows, like, it, you know, people that are positive live longer. They're happier. Like, it's just I could talk about it forever, and ever and you have a lot of time. Nor do we probably have enough batteries in our cell phones and our, you know, technology. <laughs> like, uh, the Strive is a model, and it's just you know a way too, you know, to, to. to Framework, and, and if your listeners are interested,
0: they can reach out to me. Where, you know, I would share what I have, because I love it. Yeah, you know, and what stood out from your story is, and and I can think back to back to times like this, where I felt I, you know, whether it was my intelligence or something else like that, my skill sets were fixed, to where I th- this was just how I was, or this was just how I was always going to be, and and when even as an adult cuz i mean it's probably only been you know maybe 2 or 3 years since i read that book and he and i have been talking about it a lot that i understand that the progress i make towards that goal is way more important than any measure of it and, you know we still have a hard time or i we i have a hard time you know even with what we're doing now and in, in trying to measure ourselves against other people and you know, trying to say, well, if we, you know, we'll we'll all always only be this. And you know, for me, it's like when we're at, when I'm trying to learn how to edit video or, or the different things we're trying to do to help teachers. I have to remind myself to say the word yet. Like I'm not super great at editing video yet, but I'm, Absolutely. but I'm, but I'm learning and I'm growing with each time that I do it. And I and I really think and the big
1: takeaway that. I'm really glad that you shared that, Kyle, because of Dweck's work, really, you know, there's no limit to what you can learn. You know, we all have the capacity to be great at anything we put our mind to, you know, contrary, contrary to what like, people might have thought about years ago or even last week, right? And that's why this, this concept and like that word yet is so transformational because you start to believe it. And, it. and it also puts things in perspective, like you said, like, all right, I'm not a master at it yet. All right, but I'll get there. You know, with practice and hard work, and I will get there. And I think that is, that's the key. And that's why, you know, we need to teach this to our kids. Because, you know, I always relate, I relate when I'm talking, and, you know, again, like I said, I know I, teachers are going to say, we don't have time. We have teachable moments throughout the day, you, you know, transitions, you name it. We can, we can teach mindsets through literature, you know, how is that character showing, you know, what character has a growth or fixed mindset, why? I mean, I have first graders that, you know, can identify it, because I talked about it, not because I deliberately, you know, I have a designated period every day that I can teach them about this, no, it's the seizable moments that we, you know, we can, you know, really maximize them, but... But this is a 21st century life skill, so you know that's another reason why it's so passionate You know, we need to really teach our students about this.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I gotta, I gotta thank Will because he, he read the book before I did, and he recommended it to me. And I think if I remember right, it. When when we, he and I really started getting into our conversation about personal development, I think that was one of the first books he recommended to me, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Right. And I really think every educator, every person should read it. You know, it will really transform their life. Right. For parents, for everybody, it will make a big difference. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting, even
2: when you think about um, Tim Ferriss and his uh, the, his, uh, his podcast, when, he, when I first was introduced to him, he was going around trying out things that he's never been able to do and showing people that when you just focus a little time to it, that you can actually master and become good at anything that you want. And I watched him you know, break his break his shin trying to do parkour, but he learned how to do it. You know, going against judo masters and fighting, but he learned how to do it. So they kinda of really puts that that yet, that's my favorite word. I after after this summer and you focused on it and brought it back I say that's gonna be the big one of the big words I'm gonna put in my in
1: my room. Yet. I, you know what I agree and I just think you know, I love sharing, you know, all about words and fixed mindsets with anybody that I, you know, that I'm, you know, fortunate enough to talk to, because I think about my own children, like, my oldest daughter's 27, you know, I have a 25-year-old daughter, and, a, well, she'll be 25, 24, and 21, and then the three daughters, my husband and I, and they're, you know, one's a fixed mindset, one's a growth mindset, you know, the thing is that when you talk about mindsets is, you know, nobody's 100% fixed, nobody's 100% growth, and, you know, it depends right. on situations, you know, like, you asked me to do something new, you know, my I, I might be a little fixed mindset at first, but my growth mindset, you know, side of my brain is like, you know what, do the challenge, take the risk, like, you'll feel good, you'll feel invigorated. So, that's something also I think that's a, that's a misconception that many people have that, you know, you're always going to be 100% one way or the other. No, and it changes, varies on, on you know, the days of the week on the situations at hand but I really I
0: really recommend it and we we do want to be respectful of your time Tracy because we know you got a lot going on so we'll kind of get into the wrap up questions just a few here that you can uh, answer either you know through teaching or or just in in general in life so what was the best advice you've ever been given and, and who was that person that gave it to you
1: Okay, so uh, my best advice I would have to say was from my grandmother. She um, has been, she passed away about 11 years ago, so she didn't get to see me at my best. And I have to say, like, she was my best friend. I was the only granddaughter, but she said to me, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I share with you earlier, like, you know, my mom was a single mother, you know, you, when you look at my background, you look at where I came from, you look at, you know, my brothers that I love so much, but Really, that's the mantra that really, you know, I really embraced because I, I, you know, I, I believe that anybody can do anything. We all have the capacity to learn. We can be anybody we want to be. You you just got to put your mind to it. And you know, I, you know, I believe in working hard. I'm the first woman to get a college degree in my family. I'm the only one with a master's degree, and now I'm working on a doctor doctor degree which is really a feat in itself. So you can do anything you put your mind to. That's like Mm -hmm. the best advice. And it goes into Mm -hmm. having a growth mindset. Like, when you believe it, you can achieve it.
2: Right. I was just about to say, it's almost like your grandma was teaching you
1: that growth mindset back then without saying it was a growth mindset. Right, because we didn't know it. Right, you're right. Absolutely. Mm. Great connection there.
0: So, you know, and, and you can just echo what we've been talking about, but, you know, for, you know, the teachers you, you talk to and mentor, the pre-service teachers, the student teachers, um, when they're struggling, what's one piece of advice you, you commonly offer them? I would,
1: um, first of all, I would tell them to seek, you know, I would say to seek the marigolds in their building, and the marigold comes from the court of pedagogy, Uh, marigolds exist in our schools and, you know, the marigolds a companion plant that grows anywhere Like it's amazing what this plant can do but, you know, the marigolds in the school, they're the ones that support you, they're going to inspire you, they're going to lift you up you know, stay away from negative Nellies because they're toxic, you know, and it's okay to ask people for help, like you know, no one's perfect so I, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, find people that it, you know, put, make sure you have people in your teacher tribe that build you up and uplift
0: you and inspire you. Go to them; There are the goals mm-hmm. in the building. And help. yeah, so we we talked about Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. But is there is there another book you would recommend for our listeners besides just that um, one? I I
1: mean I am am a, books are my forte. I have to say, like anything by Ron Clark, but Move Your Bus is one of my favorite books because it's about leadership. And we are all teacher leaders. We're leading students. And, you know, his book really transformed the way that I I view teachers and the way that I view leadership. Um, and I also, right now, currently, I'm reading Culturize. I read it last summer, reading it again, because I'm getting from my, in my school in August. Um, Jimmy Casas, I hope I said his name right. He's Mm -hmm. coming to our school, and I am like so excited. But I am an avid reader. Anything by Dave Berg, um, Burgess, anything he produces or you know puts out. And all the teacher and his teacher tried the ones you know like like the Pirate, Love It, the Wild Card, like um Kate um Hope and Wade King, very inspirational books. But I, I, and again like you said, mindset like definitely.
0: All right, Tracy, what's your uh, proudest accomplishment to date?
1: Um, I would say probably, you know, my proudest accomplishment, I would say either my three, having, you know, three, my three daughters. My oldest daughter is, has a master's degree from Thomas Jefferson University. She's a microbiologist, you know, and looking at my daughters and looking at, you know, where they are and how successful they are and their drive and their ambition you know because at a young age i'm still you know that whole work hard you know mindset you know um i would say you know my daughters you know my between my daughters and my relationships that i have with my, my husband it's 30 years we were together this year 30 year anniversary um mm-hmm. isn't it and then you know i have a friendship with you know, my, my two my two best friends, we have a thirty five year friendship. Kathy and Linda, they're my best friends through life. So mm-hmm. those, that's probably I have to say that and and, and really and my perseverance through my document. That's it's I'm sorry, three because it's I can't pick one, you know me. I, I can't pick just one. Yes, ma'am. I, I mean, I could probably pick a lot more, but I would think that they, you know, those three
0: are the, my most proudest accomplishments. Awesome. Awesome. And, and I don't know if we, we talked about it on the podcast uh, or not, but uh, the picture you posted on your anniversary is maybe it's my favorite awesome. thing on Instagram.
1: You know, let's talk about the Aquanet. Like, you want to talk about safety? Like, I was a safe walking safety hazard. I was a, a Lordy, I was so
0: flammable and probably my was highly flammable, along with that gallons of Aquaman hairspray. And uh, I was in the So, hey, but it was it was fitting for the era. So I was It was perfect. Yeah, and and I was for, fancy. for our <laughs> listeners that don't follow you, your your Instagram is Proud Teacher Moments. So if you have if you don't follow Proud Teacher Moments, listeners you should go there and, and just scroll down a little bit and you'll find the picture of Tracy and and, and you'll know it when you see it. So... So...
1: So... Uh, love
0: So... We, uh... Before we ask you the final question Tracy we gotta I mean it's this is a special thank you you know we, we thank all our listeners but I mean just the fact that we haven't even known you guys a month and, and we've gotten to be so close and you've supported us as much as you have we uh, we're, we're super appreciative not just of you coming on the podcast but of you know the relationship we have with you and Sheila and the fact that you've been so so helpful and supporting of what we do but I we you know what we thank you
1: and like I said it goes back to relationships and you, too, are so genuine and so authentic. And, you know, we value what you do for teachers. And, you know, and, and the thing is, like, and you think in this day and age and social media and everybody's trying to be somebody that they're not, you're, you know, you guys are living proof. Be real. I am who I am. And, you know, if I had my three daughters here next to me, they would say how much I am them. And they're, you know, but I'm like, life is short. Be happy. Have fun. Like, I don't care. It took me 40 years to realize I don't care what people think of me. I'm happy. I'm me. And it's okay. Embrace your crazy, fun, wild side. And you know what? Never grow old, right? Be, mm-hmm. be fun. Be useful. Have fun. And I think when you look at people and you look and see, you know, people that are happier, they look younger. They live Mm -hmm. longer. They don't go to the doctor. Like there's research to show. So thank you because you guys, we feel the same exact way about you guys. You guys are just the real deal, and that's what our kids need in the classroom: teachers who are real. So thank Thank you both because we are very fortunate, and and you make those connections instantly with people's very rare, but we
0: uh, we adore you too. Thank Thank you, thank you, thank you. So. Tracy, the, the the last question we want to ask you before we get you out of here is when it's all said and done, what do you hope your legacy is?
1: Okay, I'm trying not to get emotional because I'm a very emotional, passionate person, but I really think just hard work pays off. You know, you can do anything. Going back to what my grandmother said, you can do anything you put your mind to. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter, you know, what your ability or disability is, you can do anything and, and, and never, ever give up. So I want people to think of how hard I worked and I never gave up and I was always kind and positive and really, no matter what, I I, I come from a lot of face a lot of adversities through my life, but I was always positive and happy and grateful. I, and I think that's really my lasting legacy you know hard work and it's all and hmm. my friend just sent something and he saw philadelphia it was like a, a sign they said good things come to those who
0: hustle mm-hmm. right right well that's, again that's it thank you thank you so much and and i know this not only will this not be the uh the last time you're on the podcast but we're you know, trying to fix our schedules around to to catch up with you and uh, you and Sheila as soon as we can. But again, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time and and pouring into our listeners. And, and thank you for having me. And like
1: I said, I really could. You see, we, we had a breakfast. It was probably three hour breakfast. You guys, <laughs> awesome. Like, oh, yeah, we ended like it was brunch and then like lunch. Right. Like, it would if we would have stayed we would have missed their plane it would have been Linner
0: but right. that's
1: <laughs> very and Absolutely. what you're doing and keep awesome. doing your thing and you both shine very bright and keep doing your thing because you both are awesome and thank you again it was my pleasure